your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Locked On Blues Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Thomas Welch, and today we are going to be recapping the Blues. First loss of their season, uh, they lost 4-3 to three against the Colorado Avalanche uh, in some very entertaining fashion. So I feel like there's a lot to break down, but also nothing to break down. And I'll explain that in a little bit. But before we talk about that, I just want to thank you guys again for making us your first listen of the day. Uh, whether you're cracking us open with your cup of joe, maybe you get in Starbucks in the morning, maybe it's just on your way to work. Instead of raging about traffic, you can rage with us about the blues or maybe celebrate with us uh, depending on the outcome of the game. But like I said, thank you guys so much for making us your first listen of the day. Uh, we really appreciate it, and I love... Uh, I'm not really a morning person, but I, I try to be a morning person for you guys. So uh, That being said, I'm not really mourning this loss. And a big reason for that is I think it's not really indicative of the way that the Blues are capable of playing. And I don't necessarily think that they had a terrible game. Now, at the end of the day, uh, did the Blues play good enough hockey to win? I don't believe so. Uh, They didn't possess the puck well. Craig Berube seemed to think they didn't have their legs. They did look pretty exhausted. Uh, But I think one of the reasons, in my opinion, that they were probably exhausted uh, was killing penalties. And I'm not going to, I don't want to blame this game on the officiating because you always have to overcome officials. That was one of the big things in 2019 that the Blues had to do. They had to battle back against um, some poor officiating with San Jose, and they did. They managed to win that series and go on and win it all. But that being said, the Blues had to kill off four penalties in the first 21 minutes of this game. So a minute into the second period, they had another one. In the first period, they had three penalty kills against one of the top, probably uh, the most intimidating offense in the league, if not the most intimidating offense in the league. Uh, Maybe their record didn't show it, but... Uh, I mean, you got Nathan McKinnon, Landis Goggin, guys that are shooters for days out there. And I think that was one of the main focal points in the playoffs too, right? It's like anytime you went into the box against the Colorado Avalanche, especially in the playoffs, it seemed like the puck was always going to go into the back of the net, especially with the Blues team that uh, their penalty kill last year wasn't nearly as good as it is this year, and we haven't even seen it with Oscar Sundquist on it yet. So I think given the wear and tear in terms of energy that the penalty kill and having to kill those penalties uh, dealt to the St. Louis Blues right off the jump, right off the first period. Not having Justin Falk for 17 minutes of the first period, which I, I still don't understand uh, how he gets a misconduct for that. I was even iffy on the instigator, if I'm being honest. Obviously, he went over there and like started the thing or whatever. But I feel like if you're an NHL referee and you have wherewithal and the knowledge that, oh, hey, this guy absolutely knocked this other guy out in the playoffs last year I I might let the instigator penalty slide on that one I don't know just me who knows but yeah so you're without Justin Falk for pretty much the entirety of the first period you're killing penalties for pretty much the entirety of the first period it's hard to battle back from that and crawl out of that hole and like I said I don't want to blame the officiating for the end result because at the end of the day the Blues just weren't good enough uh, and they didn't manage to claw their way back. But I do think uh, there was definitely an advantage there. So while we're on the topic of officiating, 
Uh, let's just talk about it right now. Jordan Bennington had another episode, if you will, of or a scenario of him getting his wires crossed. Uh, seemed to take a swing at Kadri's head. Uh, was tossing pucks down the ice at Kemper. But this was all really instigated after someone shot, I believe it was Kale McCarr, uh, shot on net after the net came off of its moorings, and then just chaos ensued. There was a scrum behind the net. Jordan Bennington was involved in that. Kadri kind of skated away. Bennington threw a puck down to their net uh, after the whistle blew to kind of show them, hey, like this is what you just did to us, so I'm going to do it to you. Kemper gives him a little wave, skates back over to Kadri, swings his stick at his head. So let me just preface this by saying swinging your stick at somebody is any general direction in the sport of hockey is never okay uh it shouldn't be allowed Jordan Bennington should not do that and I will probably admit that that is a childish antic now do I think Jordan Bennington ever had the slight thought cross his mind that he's actually going to make contact with Kadri's head and just ended up by some grace of God um swinging and missing by a good two or three feet no shot because there's multiple videos going around, but if, if you do enough research and see the right angle, you can tell that Jordan Bennington, his stick is not even in the same frame as Kadri when it passes through where Kadri would be, potentially. So it's not it's not anywhere close to making contact. That being said, it's still not acceptable, and he absolutely should not be doing it. But I think the league needs to fine him and say, hey, you took this way too far, don't do it again. Uh, just kind of send a message in that way. But there's, in my mind, there's no possible way this deserves a suspension. And for everyone that's talking about Jordan Bennington being a baby, throwing a temper tantrum, uh, hiding behind the referees, this is like, what, the third time now that he's tried to fight people in the NHL. Uh, it was Carlson and Dubnik, and it was Grubauer, and now it's Kemper, so... At what point, I would just like to ask the rest of the NHL, correct me if I'm wrong here or call me out, whatever it might be. I would just like to ask the rest of the NHL, at what point do we start looking at these other goalies and saying that they're soft for not accepting Jordan Bennington's willingness to fight because it's obvious that it's not going away anytime soon. So if everyone wants to watch him get his face beat in so bad because Twitter's up in arms about it every single time and everyone wants to watch him get put in his place so bad. I'm telling you as a Blues fan and as someone who watches every single game and is rooting for Jordan Bennington's success, nothing would make me happier than to see someone go up to him, accept his invitation to dance and drop the gloves and throw down in a good old-fashioned brawl and if he loses, he loses. If he wins, he wins. But then at least we can say, hey, at least someone stepped up and answered the bell. Because that, at the moment, everyone's talking everyone's talking about Jordan Bennington and saying how weak he is and saying how small he is. He's 160 pounds soaking wet. Uh, Dubnik would absolutely rock the floor with him. Prove it. Prove it. Go out, do it, and I'll be impressed. But until then, it's all talk. And Bennington is showing consistently that he's the one that wants to fight people and other goalies and other players are showing consistently that they don't want to fight him. Because from whatever understanding, it seems like every team in the league thinks their goalie would absolutely take Jordan Bennington apart. But if you're at home 
and you're taking your car apart, uh, you got to check out our friends over at Rock Auto because with the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You don't have to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership at rockauto.com because Rock Auto is a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and their prices are always reliably low for every customer. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? Let me know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. When we come back, we're going to continue talking about the Blues' first loss of their season, how they can bounce back, and some of the some of the brighter sides of this game. Maybe a little bit of Robert Thomas and Vladimir Tarasenko connection. So don't go anywhere. All right, so all things considered, uh, I think, like I was talking about in the last segment, I think the best thing, the best takeaway uh, to take away from this game is to take away nothing. Um, and I know that sounds kind of weird and backwards, but I, I really do think that uh, this game was not a good example of who this team is. I think they came in tired. I think, obviously, you're missing Ryan O'Reilly, who is a face-off extraordinaire, an absolute magician on the dot. Uh, and defensively, and he brings it offensively as well, so that is a huge piece that I was missing. Uh, you're missing Brandon Saad as well, too. He would have helped on the penalty kill. He would have helped an offensive potential, and anytime you got a guy going up against his old team, you always bring it into, uh, you always have to consider the revenge factor, right? So uh, we really don't know what would have happened there either. There was a missed trip at the end of the game. Uh, Colton Pareko got his feet taken out from under him. The Both referees were staring right at it. I'm not sure how they didn't call it. That could have changed the game. Uh, I, I, I think there's too many factors to take into consideration here to really judge this. Like I was talking with some friends in a group chat on Twitter, and, and we were like, how does this team look five on five? Because you really couldn't tell because there were so many penalties and so many power plays and so many penalty kills. E- either way, even if the Blues were on the power play, uh, it just felt like you couldn't really get a good sense of where the game was going five on five until really the second half of the second period and the third period. And by that time, you could tell the Blues were just absolutely gassed. They shortened their bench. Uh, they put their lines in an absolute blender. So like I said, at the end of the day, not really a great... Uh, comparison to some of the other games that we've seen from this team so far. But I did like their fight. I did like them uh, sticking up for each other. I think the Justin Falk fight stemmed from uh, Kadri's hit on somebody else. So you always love to see that. Uh, and I, I will always, I will never get over uh, Justin Falk throwing it down with anybody because he really looks like one of those old, like 1920s bare knuckle boxers uh, who have that weird stance and like the curly, like, mustache you know what I'm talking about and like a comb over maybe that's what I think of every time I think of Justin Falk fighting so uh it's like a good old-fashioned bare knuckle boxing match and uh like I said I'll never get over it's so exciting to me something else I don't think I'll ever get over is the connection that it seems like Robert Thomas not only Robert Thomas and Vladdy though uh Barbashev has been playing absolutely out of his mind I think he's got a point streak going 
And I think we've talked about it before that it doesn't really feel like this Blues team has a first, a second, a third, and a fourth line. It really, it feels more like they have like a first line, two two second lines, and a third line. And really, I think you can make the comparison right now uh, that there's potential for them to have three first lines. And I think the way that Barbashev and Robert Thomas and Vladimir Tarasenko are playing individually, but not only individually, uh, the synergy and the chemistry that they're showing. I mean, uh, these guys are just slinging passes to each other. It seems like they all have eyes in the back of their head, uh, and they all have that playmaking ability, but they're also doing the work defensively. Uh, and Vladdy just looks like an absolute missile, flying down the ice, throwing pucks on. I think he leads the team in shots, which obviously if you're a sniper, uh, seeing that from Vladimir Tarasenko is great for the St. Louis Blues. He should be the guy leading your team in shots with a wrister like that. So, And right now on the lineup sheet, that's your third line. And I don't think it's your third line in terms of ice time. I don't think it's your third line in terms of talent. I mean, you could absolutely make the argument right now that that is the best line that the St. Louis Blues and the most dangerous line that the St. Louis Blues are rolling out currently, especially with Ryan O'Reilly being in COVID protocol. Here's another bright spot for you guys that I think you'll really enjoy and that I really enjoyed. Uh, so And so looking back to the last playoffs when the Blues got swept, right? Uh, I think there's all of those graphics of Nathan McKinnon and his line and just the absolutely stupid stat line that he was putting up against the St. Louis Blues. It seemed like he was putting pucks in the back of the net every night or at least assisting on them. He scored six goals and had nine points in four games against the St. Louis Blues in the playoffs last year. Tonight against the St. Louis Blues, uh, he was held off the score sheet, and his line was as well. So uh, I think that was a point of emphasis for the St. Louis Blues. I think they kind of realized and took uh, take a look internally and said, hey, this guy absolutely dominated us in the playoffs last year, gave us nightmares every night. We're not going to let him beat us. Uh, and they went out and accomplished that. And maybe you didn't get the dub, and maybe the officials did have a rough day, and maybe uh, the Blues didn't have their legs under them, but I think that's something that you can build on and something that we can look to with this team moving forward because another thing to build on, the Avalanche were 1-5 for on the power play. Now, if you told me that was a playoff game last year in that series, uh, I would have said, oh, that was a fantastic job because it seemed like, like I said, it seemed like the Avs were scoring on every single power play opportunity that they got last year. Uh, and so for the Blues, penalty kill to look as good as it did tonight, uh, even without Brandon Saad and even without Ryan O'Reilly, I think uh, is good news for this team moving forward. Uh, not just for the season against uh, other teams in the Central Division, but specifically for the Colorado Avalanche and the matchups uh, that we'll see with these two teams uh, later on in the season. But I think shutting down Nathan McKinnon is an extension of that as well. Because if this team can shut down the Avalanche power play and shut down Nathan McKinnon, I think nine times out of ten, games where that happens, the Blues are going to come out on top. I just think this team is deeper in terms of forwards. I think uh, the Avalanche have probably better top-end talent. I mean, their first line is probably one of the best first lines in hockey. It's kind of It's going to be hard to go up against that. Uh, any night, but I think Ryan O'Reilly will do a good job of shutting them down. If the de- the defense can figure it out and do a good job of shutting them down, th- those those deeper lines in that bottom six, I think the Blues have a substantial edge in that regard in terms of the players that they have down there and the talent that they have and the scoring capability. 
Now, I think it's kind of early to say that the Blues have fixed their woes defensively, but I do think they're doing a lot better this season so far than they did last season. They're not leaving guys wide open in front of the net. Uh, They're not making life easy for the opponent, giving them a one-on-one against Jordan Bennington and hanging them out to dry. Uh, The pucks that are going past Jordan Bennington are there's been a, there's been a couple soft goals let's not let's not beat around the bush there that Kadri one tonight I'm sure Jordan Bennington would like to have back but that tip was just a great play by the Avs there hasn't really been a bunch of noticeable goals where the defense has just broken down and left a guy uh, wide open in front of the net like I said so do I think that means that this defense is fixed and we don't need to go out and acquire uh, a defenseman at the deadline and uh, do I think that we don't need a defenseman at all to get to the Stanley Cup and that's not the missing piece anymore? No. I still think uh, if there's anywhere that this team can improve, it's absolutely with a D-man. But I also think this defensive core that they have right now is capable of being a lot better than media and people on the internet are currently giving them credit for. Now, there's still the question mark of if you don't go out and acquire somebody, is Scott Perunovich potentially an answer because he has played left and right side in his collegiate career before, and it seems like he's still tearing up the AHL. The last time I checked, he had the most points in the entire league as a defenseman, so that might be an avenue they explore down the road to kind of give them a boost on the defensive end, but I do think this defensive unit is capable of leading the Blues deep into the playoffs. So if you want to throw some money down on the St. Louis Blues to win the Stanley Cup, I'm not sure what the odds are, but the odds are always in your favor with Bet Online because they're back and better than ever. A new web interface to start basketball season as well as the NHL season, and there's more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all basketball, football, and NHL action this season. So head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. That's at Bet Online, where the game starts. When we come back, we're going to round out today's episode, so don't go anywhere. All right, so we're back on the topic of Ryan O'Reilly. So he's in COVID protocol, right? Probably going to miss 10 games. He's symptomatic, so that is the minimum. Uh, at that point in time, he can take another test, and we'll see. If he gets a negative, he can come back. If he gets a positive, he'll have to miss some more games. So at a minimum, uh, it looks like the Blues will be without Ryan O'Reilly for their games against the Blackhawks, uh, and that is tomorrow. Their game against the Kings, their game against the Sharks on the 4th, and their game against the Ducks uh, on the 7th. Now, obviously, it's never great to be without your captain uh, and I could definitely see the Blues dropping one of these games because they underestimate their opponent or they come out kind of flat-footed or uh, whatever the case may be. But I think realistically and logically, these are the best four games that uh, Blues fans could really ask for in terms of a matchup, even though the Sharks do look uh, a lot more forceful than this season than they did last season. Uh, And the Ducks look a little bit better too, but... 
I mean, when you could be going up against the Jets, when you could be going up against the Panthers, uh, I think these are matchups that I'd take 10 out of 10 times. So uh, hopefully the Blues can stack some wins together here and get a nice little win streak going in Ryan O'Reilly's absence. I also just read a tweet from an athletic writer uh, who covers prospects that said, one of the craziest things that's going on in the NHL right now is that he's fairly certain that Scott Perunovich, who has yet to make his NHL debut, is one of the three best defensemen in the Blues organization. Someone asked him if, for the sake of his development, is he better off in the NHL over the AHL right now? And uh, he went on, Scott Wheeler is his name. Scott Wheeler went on to say, yes, period, 1,000% yes. So uh, if that is not a resounding recommendation from Scott Wheeler to call up Scott Perunovich and insert him into the lineup and see what happens, I'm not sure what is. Um, But we are six games deep on the season. Uh, it's looking pretty good for the Blues so far. I like the way that they're slinging the pucks around. Uh, obviously, the record is fantastic. You, you'd love to beat Colorado Avalanche team twice. It didn't work out that way, but it's going to be it's gonna be interesting to see how these next four games go. Like I said, without Ryan O'Reilly, see how the, how the team responds uh, to the loss tonight. Uh, but I think that's all the time that we have for today. So I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever platform you're currently listening to, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube at Locked On Blues and hit that notification bell. That way uh, you get notified every time we go live and record an episode so you can hop in and ask some some of your own questions. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Locked On Blues. You can follow me on Twitter at 1215. You can follow Josh on Twitter at Josh Hyman NHL. But like I said, thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, let's go, Blues.